Welcome to Your Mental Breakdown, the podcast where you get to follow along with a client in real therapy sessions. And you'll hear two licensed psychotherapists. That's us. Breaking it down afterwards, so you get a look behind the curtain. Today, we talk about what you can get out of therapy and when it sometimes goes wrong. In Andrew's session, you guys are going to hear one of Doug's trademark analogies starring Yoda and Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. We also hear more about Andrew and the possibility of going to his brother's wedding. We'll break down how Vader and Yoda work with the concept of the critical voice and how that affects our narrative and our choices. So stick around. Welcome. I am Meredith Levy. And I am Doug Friedman. And this is... Your Mental Breakdown. (laughs) Hi, Dougie. Hello. How have you been? I've been pretty good. No major complaints. I have one. Bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) Complain away. I've been moving. Oh, that sucks. You know what? It really does. I'm not going to lie. I've lived in my place in Venice for 15 years, and I sold it and I moved. And packing sucks. Oh, yeah. It's really, really bad. It's funny because there's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember we moved a lot when we were young, and there was something initially very exciting about packing. Oh, hell yeah. Right. And you can get to go through things totally. and you see what's there. And then that wears off after a while. And you're yep. like, oh my gosh, how much more do I have? Yep. And I feel like every time I conquered like a room or a closet or something, there just more shit kept coming. Right. And I was, and I also don't have like, I mean, okay, I do have a lot of clothes, but you're a minimalist by nature, though. Like you, you yeah. don't like having I don't, stuff. Yeah. I don't like clutter. Like I'm, oh my God, I feel like my hands hurt and my back hurt. Like, <laughs> Like, it's not like I've moved myself either. Right. And the best part is like, I have nowhere to go. So <laughs> it's not like I bought a house because that was just too overwhelming. So, you know, I just uh, put my stuff in storage and moved in with one of my best friends and very grateful. But it's, uh, you know, moving is like just displacing. Is that a word? Displacing. Sure. Um, I can use it. I got busted on a word I used on here that might not be a word I'm like, I don't care anymore. I used to. I used to be very much use the correct word. Like my head would literally explode. And that was one of my pet peeves. It wouldn't literally explode. It would figuratively explode. Sure, sure. But we now have bastardized that word so much that it's become, uh, I think, written into Webster's. Right. As that's right. So um, I said unconsciousness. Right. Like something will drift into your consciousness. Something will drift, drift into your unconsciousness. It would be unconscious. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Maybe. Huh. And Interesting. A little, little gray. Yeah. Maybe. We could probably look it up, but let's not. We'll get our fact checker on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you would like to be our fact checker, please send us an email. Oh my God. <laughs> please. Um, so a lot of people had a lot of thoughts and opinions about, uh, Little Drew Drew going to uh, his <laughs> better than calling him hip hop. <laughs> going to his brother's bachelor party. Yes, for sure he should go. No, he definitely shouldn't go. Right, but I would wonder if those people are putting themselves in his shoes and saying he should go because of this for him, or if they're just saying I would go or I wouldn't go, and here's why, which is fine. Totally it was fine. all all of it and everything in between. Yeah, you know, just 
you know, it's, it's, I like watching people get invested in the situation and, you know, they're just like, go Drew. A lot of opinions. Yeah. Just a lot of thoughts and opinions, you know, and especially a lot of thoughts after the whole choice versus obligation. Thank you. You know, sort of like saying, well, now, now that it's a choice, what are you going to do? Or now that it's a choice, I think, you know, you figured out what you're going to do or people just sort of guessing. um, And then also asking about the wedding and how far away is it? Yeah. Where is it? So when is it? Yeah. Can I have the date? Can what I you, go? What are you going to wear? Which is still what I really am curious about because he's a designer. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. Anyway, that was interesting. Another thing actually that I, that I liked. So the question was, did either of you guys go to therapy growing up and have any bad experiences like Drew? And if so, what made you be willing to go back? Mm. Which I guess is based on the fact that you and I both talked about the fact that we had been back to therapy. Yeah. I, interestingly enough, hid from a therapist I went to as a kid in the stairwell. I remember that one distinctly. So I guess the answer is yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Clearly I needed more. Um, I I remember, I think her name was Hermine. I want to say Kofax. Kofax or Kovax? Um, Amazing. Yeah. And I was young. I had surgery on my ears. I had um, what's called cholesteatoma, skin growing over the eardrum. So they had to cut the skin away, I guess, and free the eardrum up. And they did it on my left ear when I was seven years old and on my right ear when I was 10. Because it happened, I guess, on each side. Right. Uh, Balance. It's all about balance, right? That's where the duality comes from for me. So I went to see a therapist, I think, around the time of that first surgery, maybe at seven. Because of it? Maybe. Um, We're not sure. I know. Well, I know part of, for sure, part of it was I was very traumatized after one of those surgeries. I was over anesthetized. I had horrible dreams. I nearly died. I mean, it was crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole other story there that we'll get into someday. Yeah. I saw before the second surgery, my mom took me to see this sort of spiritual healer. And he was somebody that really opened me up to the world of like spirituality and, you know, crystals and alter consciousness and people that can walk on coals and not burn their feet. And I I mean, it was just amazing because being a kid that was mostly mathematical in nature to hear some of this stuff really expanded me in ways I didn't even know. At 10 years old. Yeah. Wow. And my mom really did a lot to ground us in nature and, and, you know, a little new agey, but nothing over the top at all. Just growing up in Southern California. Right. That's what we experienced. Yeah. Um, the therapist, though, I think was a little bit before that. And it was somebody that I just didn't like. I didn't yeah. like what we were doing. It wasn't it wasn't gelling with me. And I, I hid in the stairwell to her office <laughs> once because I just didn't want to go in there. <laughs> so what happened? Did they I come find you? Or? Oh, I'm sure they did. I, I have no real memory of, of okay. that story beyond that. distinctly remembering that and just some of the games she had in her office because it was a lot of play therapy. Right. And it just didn't stick. I yeah. think that's when my mom started looking for alternative things and found right. somebody alternative. Got it, got it. And partly why still to this day, what resonates most with me in in therapy as a therapist and seeing therapists are, do they have other tools that aren't just yeah. clinical? Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. What about you? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> that's some fun ones. I believe at four years old, Started going because my parents got divorced, which is mind boggling because I wasn't getting a divorce. <laughs> I was just fine. Really? Well, I mean, I didn't even know my parents together. You know what I mean? So young. Right. That's true. I was 
two and a half. My sister was four. Dang. And I think it affected her. So at that same age you were at. Yeah. But my sister was like six or six and a half. So she knew what was going on. Yeah. It just, but you know, and then, yeah, just forced on and off because I was such a good kid. (laughs) I had like what an educational therapist try to make you study and stuff. And then just like, you're a problem child therapist and all those fun things. And then finally, when I decided on my own to go to therapy and I found my own therapist, eventually it was amazing. Right. And she was amazing. And she actually was one of the reasons I went to treatment. And then, which is eventually why I became a therapist. So thank you, Alana. How old were you then? Teenage? 20s? No, uh, I must have been 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. Super old. Right. (laughs) Not really. I mean, people ask like, when, when's a good age yeah. to be in therapy or oh, do you need to start? Right. A team? Yeah. And there are different life stages and things that we go through. Right. Right. So the truth is actually to answer that question, I hated therapy. I didn't believe in it up until then because of my experiences my whole life. Mm. And I just had the worst taste in my mouth about therapy and I didn't believe in depression. I thought it was all a crock of shit. I was like, get up off your ass. Stop whining right and didn't believe medication none of that and eventually I was like oh holy shit this is amazing once I found someone I clicked with when I decided that I wanted to go I think a big part of it too is when people tell you what's wrong with you or when therapy can approach you as here's what's wrong here's what we need to fix Mm -hmm. versus just hearing your story and hearing what it is I remember you telling me something which I'll keep confidential. We won't release it on here. Okay. But you realizing, you know, when you were seeing a therapist, like, oh, there's a name for this. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. Right, right, right. Wow. That And it's such relief when you hear like, oh, this is a thing. And I think of, you know, people that I've talked to, not even just clients, but just people who grew up dyslexic and they didn't know that that was anything exactly. until later on. And they're right. like, wait, I thought everybody struggled to put these yeah. word letters together to form words. And yep. I was just not as good as everybody else. Mm-hmm. It is. It can be such a relief. I think a lot of, I feel a lot of clients find that. And even just like we've been talking about with Drew, when, or anybody, when you reflect back what they're saying and they're like, oh shit, right, that suddenly makes sense. Right. That kind right. of thing. So. Yeah. And it, it's, it's so relieving. And sometimes all the session is, is, believe it or not, this is true even for me as a therapist. Sometimes it's just letting the client vent the whole session. Yeah. Just talk something out the whole session. And that hasn't quite happened with Drew. (laughs) (laughs) I wind up talking quite a bit and, you know, that works for some clients. And sometimes I've got other clients. There are some sessions where I barely talk at all. Yeah. You know, I happen to be more interactive as a therapist in general, and I respond, you know, by talking a lot, by telling these stories and analogies and helping a client along. But sometimes a client just needs to get some shit out. And it's not even the spewing of information and all that. Totally. Here's everything I've been holding on to. I'm so stressed. Let me just dump it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a total necessity sometimes. Totally. 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 I love taking a dump in therapy. (laughs) (laughs) it's necessary and feels so great afterwards such a relief (sighs) yeah on that note on that note anything else you want to go through should we get into let's get into it all right 
get into this session coming up. In case you missed it, or if you're just joining us for this, you're listening to a session with with Drew, 24-year-old from a small town, now living in LA. And what's directly on his mind and on his plate right now is his brother, who he's been estranged from, is getting married. And he was recently invited to the bachelor party, and he hasn't talked to him in almost 10 years. So he's trying to figure out where he stands with that and and making up his choice, not just feeling the obligation to go because it's family. And walking through that is sort of where we've been the last week or two. Stay tuned, listen up. We will be back to break it down right at the end. Yeah, I uh, talked to my dad. Yeah. Went really good. Yeah, how so? Um, well, we, so we talked about a couple other things don't really remember how the conversation started and i kind of like laid it out i was like hey i just want you to know that i want to go and like i i'm trying everything i can to get prepared to go and this is kind of why i don't want to go mm. and, and i kind of talked about it's super isolating and like i don't feel comfortable yeah and and i kind of went through that route and, yeah. and he had a really positive reaction to it which was really really nice how was it for you just even saying that to him I feel like I kind of got in the mode where I blacked out and just like dumped out a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so like I was sitting in my car, I was on lunch, I called him. And then right after I hung up, I kind of sat there for a minute Hmm. and I just kind of reflected on like one, what was the conversation about? And then two, like, it's crazy to think that I can have that conversation now. Hmm. Cause I feel like, like previously I could never. And so it was a cool moment just to kind of sit there and be like, okay, I see progress being made. I I see steps. I see it. I see it coming together. Yeah. I think my worry now is the time frame. We'll get to time frame. Yeah. I want to hit the the conversation piece again. The the blackout feeling. Yeah. That's that's that fear response, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we have that fear response. Something else kind of takes over. You go on autopilot sometimes, Right. right? Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about what you wanted to say and how you could say it. So it was almost autopilot in that sense. Yeah. That's why you said like, it was just that dump. Let me get it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was funny when I asked you how it went, you kind of smiled at like, eh, like it was loaded. Yeah. It wasn't just, Oh, it was easy. It felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. It was out of your comfort zone for sure. Definitely. Yeah. And why I want to kind of replay it is because this is how we carve new trails, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it was cool too because like after talking about it with my dad and kind of laying out how I felt and why I felt that way and, and all of that, right? He had a really good initial reaction, and then he helped me game plan. Um, so he kind of gave me the out I was looking for because like I could still go, I could still be there, sure, but I had that safety net, and so I, I just felt super comfortable with all of that and him realizing kind of where I'm coming from. Right. And then we kind of touched on like the last 10 years of my life, like really quickly. And wow. that was kind of crazy too. As it relates to your brother? And my mom. Really? Yeah. I mean, he knows where all this comes from, you know, because he kind of went through it with me. Sure. And we kind of like, we touched on it. We didn't mm. say anything too specific, but we both kind of knew where we were coming from. And, and, it, and it made me feel good because he knows that it's not just like, I don't like my brother. Yeah. Two things that are super cool to me. Mm-hmm. One is that, you know, you're starting the conversation, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we needed the resolve, you know, on that phone call, right? but we started that conversation. Right. So now we sort of cracked the seal and now it's going to be a little easier. Mm-hmm. Right. And the second thing is that idea that we said, I think last week about 
that emotional level, that going deep is not comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, we stay away from it. We shy away from it. You know, that fear has us run from it, right? right? What you're experiencing with dad kind of with you on it mm -hmm. was support, was mm -hmm. I'm not alone. And that happens when you're vulnerable enough. Mm -hmm. It's not about him and how he's going to react. It's about <sighs> you trusting that you can be vulnerable and open up this way. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I give you a lot of credit for that a lot because it's super scary. Yeah. Right. Because well, I, I totally blew off that first phone call. Like I got busy, but like you can always make time for, for that kind of stuff. And, and like busy to me was I think I went over to my girlfriend's house. You know, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like the sure. right time to have that conversation. And that's a version of cracking the seal. Yeah. Making it a little easier. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we even call that exposure therapy. Let me yeah. do a little bit at a time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So let me tell him I want to talk about something. Let me introduce the topic. Then, you know, we can scratch a little deeper and go deeper and deeper. Yeah. And what you're also experiencing in that, like I said, is you're getting some level of comfort with your dad mm -hmm. and maybe him too. Mm hmm Right. So now we can talk about this when, when we couldn't say it. It's like uh, Voldemort. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't say his name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But now that we do, it's not as scary. Right. Which is what you're experiencing. And not only was it not as scary, but that comfort that you get from not being alone, from having him see you that way is, yeah, I can support you. You know, setting you up to succeed. And now you've got somebody on your side with that. Yeah. And, and like it felt way better to get it all out. And, mm. and to hear his response. And, yeah. and I think like over the last three weeks, it's been a complete 180, you know, in, as far as to our conversation last week of, of it being a choice. Yeah. You know, now it's fully a choice of like, I have support either way. Right. Because uh, he understands like why I don't want to go. And then I also touched on like, uh, we've been talking about it. He was super proud. And, and that was the other thing. I think I said this a couple of weeks, like, like my end goal is just for my parents to be proud of me for who I am mm -hmm. and not mm -hmm. just because they're my parents. And that was exactly what he said, like in that, like the end of the conversation he was, and like he, I could hear him tearing up, which is very rare for him. Wow. And he was like, wow. yeah, it, it like almost made me cry. He, and he was like, he was like, I'm not saying this just because you're my son. Like I'm actually proud of you. And I was like, hell oh, yeah. Oh man. So like, it was really good. Yeah. And that's, that's on the heels of, of showing him you. Yeah. Being vulnerable and coming out exposed and going, hey, here I am. Yeah. Right. And it's amazing because it's mm -hmm. it's he's proud of me for who I am, not me giving him who I think he wants to see. Right. Right. Big distinction there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that translates to a lot of other people around us too, mm -hmm. giving them what we think they want versus just showing them who I am. Yeah. But there's none more powerful than our parents. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that feels great, just getting a little piece of that, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, you're smiling ear to ear, right? Yeah, because I, well, I feel like this is like the first time, like in my entire life, I've actually had that like feeling genuinely, and like again, it's only been a couple of weeks, right? But I, I also feel like I'm I'm seeing stuff for the first time. Yeah. All of a sudden. So that proud of you feeling that you felt genu genuinely that Dad was proud of me, because of something you achieved? No. What was it? No, it was, um, I, to your point, it's vulnerability. You know, I think he actually saw, like, on a person-to-person -person level where I was coming from, not just, uh, oh, that's my kid, he'll be all right, right, type of thing. And so, like, to have that connection, because, like, I'm basically grown now. I mean, like, I know I'm still a kid, 
but like I'm grown enough to be an adult and make right. my own decisions, do all that kind of stuff. And I'm finding that with our relationship as I grow up hmm. is becoming more person to person. Yeah. With still father son, you know, that's still definitely there. Always, always. But, but it's becoming more so, and I, I think I said this last time, but he's like my best friend, you know? So I, I feel like now it's really taking strides in that lane where we're becoming like really good friends and not just the father-son relationship. Right. Which is beyond amazing for me. This is something I feel like I've been looking for like my entire life. Yeah, knowing they're proud of you and feeling their pride are two different things. Right. Right? And I think you got to feel a little bit of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that idea, I love the distinction you're making between, you know, having that person-to-person or having that Mm father-son. It's not an either-or. It's a both, mm-hmm. right? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, we can be best friends. We can see each other as people, mm-hmm. as individuals, and respect mm-hmm. that we're individual people, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And he could see me as this snapshot of how I am now, yeah. right? And yeah. still growing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're still father-son. Right. So I can come to him with, hey, I'm scared of this. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, this is bugging me. Or, or I want your advice on this. And it's it's father and son. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be two individuals that just respect each other and just, you know? Yeah. It's both of those at the same time. And that's super powerful. Yeah. It was, it was cool. I think a little bit of what you experienced with dad cracking that seal is something that you can do with brother. You don't have to at all. Mm-hmm. Conversation that you have with dad and how you're thinking about going a couple of weeks now, right? Yeah. It's like two and a half weeks away. Right. So you're fine. Yeah. You know, in terms of, well, wait, I need to do that or I've got to do this and it's coming up. No, you're fine to go. We can work on what it might be like when you're there. Mm -hmm. You don't absolutely don't have to call your brother ahead of time. You know, you can. Mm -hmm. And I just want to walk that with you. Mm -hmm. Again, the the choice versus obligation. I'm not obligated to call my brother. Not obligated to like figure this out and hash it all out now before I go or else I'm going to be fucked when I'm there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. I can, mm-hmm. that's the choice. I can, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Yeah, I um, I like the feeling of having the choice to call him. Mm-hmm. I think that's very comfortable. Mm. All the while, I don't know what I'd say to him. You know, like I, I don't even, like I would pick up the phone and I, yeah, I just don't, I don't even know what that looks like. Mm. And so that that unknown, I think, is the scary part for me again. Because the comfort part is knowing that I can, knowing that he will pick up, knowing that we can have a conversation, realizing how it went with my dad and how good that went, but also realizing that it probably won't go that way with my brother. And not not to say it's going to be a bad conversation. Well, let's just pause right there for a second. Yeah. Because you're speculating. Yeah. That's where anxiety will come in and fuck with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's mind reading. Right. Completely. Yeah. We have no idea how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. That's scary. That's the uncertainty, the unknowing. Yeah. You know, you even said that earlier when you were talking about the conversation with your dad. Yeah. I didn't know how it was going to go. Right. Right? Yeah. The only way to know something that's unknown. Is to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all the prep that we can do ahead Mm -hmm. of time, it doesn't always work out. And we make ourselves super anxious by prepping for all these things that might not happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, And along with that preparation thing, I don't know if I've said this yet. I might have. But I... Like self-realization, I think I've known this for a while. I think I'm the type of person to prep for the worst yep, and yeah, hope yeah. for the best. 
Yep. You know what I mean? So totally. that I'm covered no matter what. What does that mean? I'm covered no matter what. I'll be okay. What does that mean? Uh, I'm safe. Like, like no matter what happens, I'm already prepared for it. So nothing else. How are, how are you worse. safe and prepared? The what if game. Yeah. It's like, I can always go, what if this happens? What do I do? Okay, I'll be okay. And I always get to that point where it's like, okay, if this is just tragic and it's horrible, I'm still all right because I can do this, this, and this to cover on the back end. Right. I think perfect example, I do that a lot with my girlfriend, I think. In any instance, you know, her traveling, her going out, her not being with me in any scenario, I think my first initial reaction is, okay, she's going here. What could happen? Mm -hmm. Okay, if this happens, what am I going to do? Okay, and then I kind of prepare for that, and I feel like that's fucking me up because I all of a sudden already have those feelings of this is already happening. Exactly. Yep. And so it's, it's, but I don't know, I don't know how not to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's going to be experiencing it other. Yeah. Differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's going to be catching it. And it was interesting watching you when you were talking that way. Mm Because as you talk about all these different scenarios, your eyes bug out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's sort of like we go into that fight or flight response. Yeah. You know, that what if game, why it's, it's fucked up when we don't play by the correct rules, right? right. Which we talked about. It's what if positives and negatives. Mm-hmm. If we just do negatives, we're putting ourselves in that place of fear, that mm-hmm. place of fight or flight, that that heightened response, that eyes bugging out, that mm-hmm. threat level orange. I'm not okay. Yeah. And the only way I'm not okay is, well, if I'm not okay, I could do this or I could do that or I could do that. And we sort of calm ourselves, but we've taken ourselves through the fucking ringer with it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That's why I think I busted the Mark Twain line on you a Mm -hmm. while ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That suffered a great many catastrophes, none of which have come true. Yeah. Yeah. We do that to ourselves. It's incredible Mm -hmm. what you are in effect doing by taking yourself through these scenarios and reassuring yourself that you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is not planning every single contingency and covering all your bases necessarily. Mm -hmm. You're reassuring yourself that you will be okay, that you will be safe, that you are capable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's the the example I gave you, the two different campers you can go with, mm-hmm. do with all the gear or the green beret, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's moving on that spectrum towards the green beret, mm-hmm. going, wait, wait a second. Hang on, hang on, man. I know I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. How do I know that? Because I've been through things before. I've been through worse. I know whatever it is, I will be able to handle it when I'm there. Yeah. The uncertainty will try to grab you. That that's that that I don't know if I, I did the Darth Vader voice with mm. you very much. I, I don't think we did it at all, actually. There's this critical voice that we develop, you know, in psychology we call it the critical voice, mm-hmm. right? And it's one from a very young age, it's that you hear it in your head telling you either you're not good enough, you're not doing it right you're not lovable, you know, something that Mm -hmm. at that core is telling you something about yourself that's just there. It's Mm -hmm. just taken as a truth. You don't ever challenge it. You don't really think about it. And there's all these other ways of thinking that feed it, right? Mm -hmm. And I call it the Darth Vader voice because it's it's the dark side. It (laughs) pulls you over to that, right? And it's so familiar that we think it's just our voice in our head, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, you're not going to be okay. You got to go through every every everything. You got to plan for every possible scenario. Mm-hmm. Go through it. Otherwise, you're not going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and maybe the Vader voice is telling you you are not safe. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know what's at the core specifically, mm-hmm. right? But there's usually something at the core. Yeah. And what we need to do is to develop, in a sense, our, our Yoda voice, mm-hmm. you know, do some Jedi training to balance it. Sort of like we balance the what if game. Yeah. Because Vader is never going away. Right. I wish we could eradicate him and just go, yeah, that voice is gone. You're never going to be critical of yourself again. Right. Right. Bullshit. Doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. If we can recognize it, why I call it Vader is you can start to hear it and pay attention to it and we'll make it somebody else. Mm-hmm. We'll make it, wait, that's not me. That's this critical voice. That's that's Vader talking. Right, yeah. Sometimes it's good because it motivates us to get in gear and get going. Yeah. You know, you're not good enough. Well, fuck you, I'm going to go even harder. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Fine, it drives us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can use it. That's why, you know, if you know your Star Wars at all. Yeah, hell yeah. Right? So Vader and Yoda, they both use the force. Right. There's just one force. Right. And there's that balance of it sometimes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when I refer to Vader voice for you, it's that something ingrained in there, even unconsciously, that we don't think about that's pulling us. Mm-hmm. And for you, the thing about running through all these scenarios and you going, yeah, I don't want to do that. Right. But Vader fucking lured you. Yeah. By going, you're not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Shit's going to happen. Your girl's going to get drunk. She's going to do this. She's going to wind up with it. Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Because if that happens, then we start balancing it a little bit, yeah. but in response to. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just don't know, like for that specific, but going out, getting drunk, doing all of that, it's right. like, I don't know what the Yoda version of that is. Right. So I don't, I don't know how to balance that. Right. Because like, I only know this side of things. Right. So it's like, like even in those scenarios, it's always been Vader, 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 Vader. Yep. So I've never had the Yoda. Right. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah, absolutely. It's usually Vader, Vader, Vader. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Mm-hmm. How do I reduce the anxiety and feel okay? Right. But there's never any good side. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take some retraining because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, all you've got. Is that dark side pulling you? Is that anxiety? Is the uncertainty? Yeah. So we're going to have to start experiencing and seeing how it could be and mm-hmm. how it could go. Yeah. So that, that'll that take a little little work, but we'll walk that and we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Don't think that you're going to just sprout a fully grown Yoda who's <laughs> yeah. going to kick Vader's ass and boom, you won, right? Yeah. It takes a little bit of training. We're doing some of that. Okay. The first step for you mm-hmm. is recognizing that Vader voice. Yeah recognizing that it's not you it's this critical voice it's this vader it's this pull and maybe just maybe being able to go wait 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 hang on hang on that's not right i don't want to go down there yeah that's step one well and like she went to a a bachelorette party a couple weekends ago right and so like i was fine like i was completely fine with that totally cool it happened i felt really good about it i was like cool we got through that i didn't freak out awesome Right. And then last night, like, mentioned something about strippers at the house, like male strippers, right? Sure. And so instantly, I'm like, yo, you didn't tell me that. What else happened? And then, and that was at the start of the night. The entire rest of the night, I I kept replaying, replaying, replaying what happened, what's going on, what's going on. And I didn't have the opportunity to sit her down and be like, yo, why didn't you tell me that? And then we got home, went to bed. And then this morning, like, I was up all night last night, like, night terrors to a to a certain extent sure and then i woke up i was up super early couldn't go back to sleep and so i just got up got ready i was like i gotta go 
And so she started freaking out. She's like, what's going on? What's wrong? What's, what's happening? I'm like, nothing. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, uh-huh. you know, and so sure. it's like, I'm trying to figure out when I hear little things like that, yep. that I know it's still okay. Right. Because she's okay. Right. I'm okay. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. But that triggered me for whatever reason to sure. be like, yo, what the fuck happened? Right. And why didn't you tell me? Right. Right. I love this example. Yeah. Because it's it's one where it's very clearly, boom, a trigger. Yeah. Right? You even mentioned trigger. Yeah. Right? We're not going to avoid triggers. Right. Won't happen. That's where people like walk around on eggshells. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Like, it's a horrible way to live. Yeah. What we can do is recognize when we get triggered or when somebody else gets triggered and seeing it as a trigger and go, hey, what's this really about? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What was happening to you was again a little bit of that uncertainty mm-hmm. i don't know what happened there mm-hmm. and part of you is going it might even be with a little vader influence going oh if you don't know what happened could have been this could have been that could have yeah. been that you know the what ifs right and it'll take you down that rabbit hole and it will feel awful yeah. and you won't know how to say anything from that point mm-hmm. Which is why you heard me laugh a minute ago when you said she asked me if I was okay. I was like, yeah, no, no, no. Everything's fine. We're cool. Yeah. No, you're not. Right. You're spiraling. Yeah. Right? But you can't make sense of it yet. Even though you can, you just didn't listen to it. Yeah. I'm cool. She's cool. We're cool. I know everything's cool. Mm -hmm. Right? But that's not what was predominant. Right. And you went through all that anxiety, that uncertainty, and didn't have the knowing and didn't know how to say wow, you know, I was just a really, it was really uneasy for a while because I didn't know about the strippers. And then, boom, I got triggered. Mm-hmm. That's a key to it being not about her, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's a key for you going, it's about something deeper. Right. I got triggered. You and I can work through and look at what happens when we get triggered, mm-hmm. right? It's that iceberg thing, like you see the tip of it, but below the surface, there's that whole, thing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and there is something that would typify the whole thing that has to do with not knowing uncertainty not safe not okay could be abandoned alone yeah you know those things aren't scary things Mm -hmm. and they're scary things that have happened to you right i mean probably the scariest of all Mm -hmm. happened to you Mm -hmm. So when we get triggered, we almost go back to that place of being a scared, wounded kid. And I think that's exactly how I felt. I feel like I'm pretty good in normal situations, like when we're sitting down, having a dinner, conversing. Right. And like, I felt like all night last night, I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to be a part of the conversation. I was very in my own head, just replaying and going through all this shit. Right. And like... Like, even today, I woke up with the same thing. I went through it all last night. And, like, even at work today, I was thinking about it. You know, it's one of those things where it's, like, I can't, like, I don't know how to just cut it off and stop. Yeah. It's, like, it's just go, go, go constant. I think you can see it now as a trigger, and I went to that place. And it was just exhausting and confusing and scary. Mm -hmm. Don't like it. And sometimes that will drive us. You know, and Vader will feed on that because it'll go, oh, just distract yourself. Just get working. Just do this. You know, 
or fuck her, just take some other girl out. I know you're not going to do that. Yeah. But that's where that comes from. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's funny because that's exactly what I did. Like that is exactly what I did. You know, I, I got into the office early. I instantly got to work. And like the other thought was, I don't even know how to word it. It was almost like, uh, I'll be all right. There's so many other girls here. Like, why even worry about it? Right. You know, so like, and I don't want, I don't want to think that way. You know, right. that's not how I want to be. And that's not my mindset. How do you want to be? Well, I'm 100% into it. Like, I'm 100% committed to her. I don't I don't even want to think that there's another option. Okay. But I, I want her to think that way, too. <laughs> you know? Right. And that's the uncertainty. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if she is. And then, you know, the real truth is we'll never really know. Right. 100%. We won't. Yeah. We can get some reassurances and that feels better. Mm-hmm. If we develop that Yoda, if we develop that 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 white car mentality, mm-hmm. we can start seeing signs that tell us she's in. But when Vader's taken over, all I see are red cars. I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel secure. I, I could be abandoned at any time. I don't like this feeling. So yeah. let me distract and move away from it. And that's, you know, in effect, talking about what we were doing with with dad mm-hmm. is moving towards the thing that makes us so uncomfortable and finding comfort in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a version of that, right. That you said, I want to bring her me. I want to, I want to show up hundred percent. I want to be all in. Right. Mm-hmm. And what in effect we just did, which is okay. Cause you're human. Right. Got spooked. Yeah. And I ran. Yeah. Right. And running could be, I went to work early. Mm-hmm. Running could be, I hit the gym for six hours. It could be I took this chick out and didn't tell you. Mm-hmm. Could be I just said, no, we're cool. Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. You know, and they know better. Right. Yeah. Cause, and like, it's funny too, because like, I don't think I've ever swam in my pool in my entire life. <laughs> and like, that's exactly what I went to this morning. You know, I got home. I had 30 minutes to kill. And I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? I can't just sit here. Right. I need to go do something. I love these moments because in that moment, it's almost impossible to do anything but have a reaction. Right. Almost. Yeah. Right. But we can look back on it and we can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I am like, I'm okay with the actual event happening. Right. I'm going to fuck about that. It's, it's how I found out about it. Right. You know, I think that's the problem. And I, and I think because of the way I've been lied to my whole life is a lot of it's different. But the the way it happened is exactly how everything with my mom happened. A lot of stuff with my brother happened. A lot of stuff with my dad, my yes. best friends, my ex-girlfriends. Yes. Everybody in my life that's no longer in my life, which is 99.9% of everyone. Right. That was my trigger. And it, and it instantly made me feel very alone. And it made me feel like disposable to a certain extent. Mm. Because I feel like more times than not, when that's happened... I feel like it's my fault to a certain degree. And I don't think this situation is my fault because like I had nothing to do with it. Right. But it's the same feeling of like, okay, well, what do I need to do better? Like, yes. And my mind starts racing and it's like, what do I need to do? Tell me what to do. I'll do it. Even your energy right now, you know, start, like it's starting to be like anxiety, freak out. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I like I tense up and I don't, I don't know, you know, I, I just don't know what to do. Right. And so it's like, and then that puts me in the mindset of, oh, okay, we'll be all right. 
on our own. You know what I mean? As that comfortability to, if that does happen, like I'll be okay. And I'm already in that mindset already, you know, like it it already did happen. Yeah. And look, we're making sense of it now. Yeah. Right. Right. And how you're talking about it is I think really insightful because you're recognizing, oh yeah, when this happened, how it, how I found out is how I found out a lot of other things that I'd been lied to all my life. Right. So now we're looking at, you know, we can say it, you know, if you know your action movies, you go, oh, it's a disproportionate response, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, this guy robbed a liquor store. Well, we're going to fucking nuclear him. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. And it's disproportionate to everybody else, not to us. Right. Because our experience is I've been lied to all my life. Mm-hmm. I found out in other ways. I found out like, what? There were strippers there? I didn't know that. What else didn't I know? All the uncertainty that I've been holding, mm-hmm. all the been lied to that I've been holding, mm-hmm. all that feeling of I'm not okay, I'm not safe, I'm going to be isolated or left alone, so fuck it, I'll be fine by myself. And that's that's all that mm-hmm. Vader talk. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of understanding and compassion for ourselves is necessary. Yeah. Because a lot of how you got through, not just that night, but a lot of your life, mm-hmm was necessary to do just that, get through it, right. protect yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I don't need anybody else. Yeah, That's a defense and a response to feeling so unsafe, vulnerable, not okay. Mm-hmm. So if you ever have an inkling of, man, why am I doing it? I'm still doing it. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Slow the roll. Yeah. I go away. Oh yeah, I've been protecting myself. I'm really good at protecting myself. <laughs> yeah. Had to be. Yeah. I mean, what you've gone through as a kid, mm-hmm. not a lot of kids can go through that. Yeah. Right? And wind up where you are. Right. So give yourself a lot of credit and compassion if you can. Mm-hmm. I protected myself. I did all right. Yeah. Now we're looking at it and going, okay, but I don't think you need your AK out, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you don't yeah. need full fatigues every time, right? Right. right. Like, uh, okay, well, now that I know this and I can see that disproportionate response, here's where we start a conversation if we can. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of credit because you're starting it with me. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. I want to make sure you're going to go easy on yourself and give yourself a break too. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can let it just flow naturally. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really done this with like anybody else, which is why I feel like me and her are so close. Is like I've shared a lot of the stuff we've talked about with her as well because like mm-hmm. I, even before I started seeing you, I would have like these freakouts and like I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I was like, hey, this is where this is coming from. This has nothing to do with you. This has nothing to do with us. This has to do with my past and like what I've been through. And this is my baggage. So, like, I'm dealing with it. Now I'm really dealing with it. Exactly. But um, she's very aware of what I've been through and, like, how I went through it, which is nice. And, and so to a certain extent, I can almost just be like, hey, listen, I'm I'm dealing with this right now. I don't really want to talk to you about it. But just know, I'm, like, this is what's happening. Yeah. So I have that dialogue with her. And now I'm trying to figure out how to, like, have her understand. Because it's like, I doubt she'll ever fully understand where I'm coming from because she's never been through it, you know, and, and like I hope she never does, but she'll never, ever, ever have the same feeling that I feel at night when I have a night terror. You know, I can't verbally be like, hey, this is what this feels like. And so I'm trying to figure out how to like not 
not freak her out because I feel like having that conversation of like, hey, this is really what I'm going through. To a lot of people, it's like, oh, fuck, that's real as shit. Yeah, it's conveying to her some level of, have you ever just not felt safe, not Mm -hmm. felt okay, and didn't know why? Have you ever been anxious? Yeah. You know, I think everybody has that experience. You know, even at a young age, showing up for a test at school and going, oh, fuck, I didn't study. (laughs) Yeah. Right? It might seem like that versus my buddy's dying. Right. Like, you know, he's OD'd, his heart stopped. Yeah. They seem like they're totally different. Right. They're not. Right. You know, feelings are feelings and it's all relative. Mm-hmm. All a relative experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Anxiety is anxiety. Right. It'll put you through the ringer no matter what the stakes are. If you go, fucking test, who cares? Right. At the time, you do. Right. More than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. So there's a way to talk to her and to convey to people about what the feeling is. Only if we're able to identify that feeling and what's going on for us. Yeah. She's not going to be able to solve it. Right. But she might be able to be there with you join. Yeah. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if we're not coming from the place of, so you didn't tell me that. What else didn't you tell me? Like, yeah. That we're just looking for, I feel uncertain. And it's this iceberg below the surface of shit that I'm pulling up and you've got to make it okay by reassuring me, yeah. getting to that hundred percent. I know you're in, you yeah. know? Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a climb. Yeah. I mean, that's I see, I see you like laughing. It's no, like, it makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I've definitely had, I can see both sides of it mm. and how it makes like how my first initial reaction would go to that. Why are you doing this? What else are you telling me? What's yeah. going on? Absolutely. But it makes way more sense to go about it as like, a, hey, this is one of my triggers. This is kind of like how it makes me feel. Right. I think it's comforting to know that I can just share, hey, have you ever been anxious? Have you ever felt unsafe? Have you ever felt this way? This is how I'm feeling right now when this happens. Yeah. And then maybe that leads to a conversation. Right. So if you recognize like, yeah, that that's how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here's the invite in, and I'm working on that. And yeah. I'm looking at where that all comes from. Cause it wasn't just, you know, somebody saying that thing about the strippers. Right. It was every lie. It was all that, that huge iceberg below the surface. Yeah. And I'm chipping away at that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't want to carry that around. I don't want to react to you that way, but I got, I, yeah, I did get triggered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I'm really impressed with how you're taking a lot of this stuff in yeah. and how you're thinking about this. Cause this is good. It's awesome, man. Really? Yeah. It's it's a new way of thinking about things that's that is very new for you. Yeah. When you open up to this way of thinking about things and processing things, mm-hmm. the change in your life that can happen is remarkable. Yeah. It can be incremental, right? And really slow sometimes and aggravating mm-hmm. in that sense. But mm-hmm. you also start to see and go, oh wow, we're just introducing new things and you're already like taking them on, mm-hmm. thinking about things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting there and I'm super proud of yeah. the work that you're doing. No, I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate you. I couldn't do it without you. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, if a client's not willing to do the work. Right. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. And you are. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, we're not far off from getting a good night's sleep, man. <laughs> I'm shit. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, uh, it's coming. Yep. Here we are. What'd you think? He spoke to his dad. Pretty wild, right? Yeah. Sounds like it went really well. 
Yeah. Dad sounded supportive. And it sounded like he was able to express really well all the reasons that he didn't want to go and was able to connect to his emotions and talk about feeling like he would be uncomfortable and it would be isolating. And yeah, I loved that he is taking a lot of what we're talking about and implementing it right away, you know, like actually putting it to the test and doing it naturally. You know, I, I mean, it's not like it's forced, it's that he's thinking about it, which is great. And that's why, you know, I, I'm hoping that this kind of highlights to people that we do this in real time, right? Right when it's happening in their lives so they can apply it. I mean, you can take what you like or what you can use from this stuff, but the real crux of, of the therapy is doing it in real time and processing what that was like for you. A hundred percent. And it's, it's so cool to watch because, you know, a lot of my work is very accountability and a lot of mm. behavioral and, and which is great. And for you though, he just comes back and is like, Oh, here's what I did. So you don't say, okay, so by next week you're going to talk to your dad and you're going to do this. He just comes back and is like, well, guess what? Right. You know? And he right. even said it felt really good because he knew that previously he couldn't have had that conversation. So he even noticed the progress. Right. And he shared that with you. Yeah. And that's, it's funny because the clients are different. Some clients, I am a little more direct and, yeah. and, and we will make our own, as he calls it, mile markers. Yeah. Right. But for him, he really got a sense, you know, as we were talking about it last week of, oh, I could call my dad. It's not something I have to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're seeing him let go of some of that a little bit, like right. of that discomfort and that not knowing and just really starting to, even very early on in this, starting to get a sense of, I'm going to be okay. All right. And it's okay to say, I don't feel good. And right. let's see how that goes. Right. And the more he does that, the more his brain is exercising that, the more experience he's gaining within the frames of reference he has. And, and you can start to see the shift already. Right. He also talked about um, having a kind of blackout moment. And you guys talked about the fear response mm. and mm -hmm. autopilot. And I don't know, I was kind of wondering if you could expand a little bit about that. And, you know, are there different kind of blackout moments I'm sure none of us have blacked out from drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a whole different thing. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe expand a little on that. Yeah. He's sort of talking about that, that almost out of body experience or, or that not really present for that, that consciousness. And sometimes that's anxiety taking over. Sometimes in our brains, there'll be a lot of, you know, cortisol, adrenaline pumping and, and, we're just geared differently in that moment than we normally are. That's why we can't use our logic brain all the time. Right. right? And I say it in a way that he'll understand it, which is that fight or flight response. And I love learning about it's, it's actually fight, flight, or freeze, mm -hmm. you know, and, and freeze can be submit, right. you know, and it's, you go into that, that sort of primal state and that instinctual, like, what, what do I need to do here? What am I going to do? Right. And, I think when you're in that zone, you're not processing logically, right? And blackout moments, you know, they happen to a lot of people a lot of different times when you've got a, a really tough phone call to make mm -hmm. or a meeting with a boss or, you know, you stand up in front of the class to read a current event. Right. I mean, that was one I hated when we were young. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I think probably a lot of you guys listening know that thing where you drive home and you get home. And you're sober and you realize that you don't even really know what path you just took or you don't even sort of remember getting home or where you parked. And it's not 
it's, it's, it's not a blackout moment. It's just not really being present. It is that sort of autopilot, but it's not like a trauma or fear response. It's just not being present because you've done this so many times. You don't even have to think about it. Right. And sometimes it's, I, I was so singularly focused on that one thing. I didn't think of anything else. Right. And that I remember distinctly being 15 and a half and driving with my dad from my, my girlfriend's place at the time. And we were in the garage and I looked at my dad and with this panic stricken look on my face and just kind of went, dad, dad, I have no idea how I did that. I don't remember any turns I took or any, I, I, I don't even remember being on the freeway. What? And he just looked at me and went, well, that's good, son, because that's going to happen. Like, really? Like, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, and again, for you guys out there. So I think, I don't know if you guys know a lot about mindfulness, you know, and the difference between how mindfulness is not about meditation. Meditation can be a form of mindfulness, but it can either be that we're being so mindful, right? Like you said, right. so focused on this one thing that we're doing yeah. or mindfulness is sort of the opposite of uh, we are just on autopilot. We've right. done it so many times and right. either way, it's, you know, not one thing's not worse than the other. Sometimes it is very important though for us to be mindful if we're driving in the rain, sure. you know, or whatever, sure. to be really focused on what we're doing. And again, you're going to do it for so many freaking years. So I liked that whole conversation that you guys had about that. Hmm. So another thing that I thought, you know, and again, sort of connecting to last week. So his dad helped him game plan, helped right. him find an out and a safety net that he had been looking for. And then all of a sudden briefly touched on the last 10 years of their life. Right. I was right. like, um, what? No big deal. Right. Right. And that's where I said like 10 years in 15 minutes. No, right. That's not going to happen. But what did happen you, you crack the seal, you've paved the way for now we can have this conversation because right. we've, and this is one of the most important things I think is we just started the conversation. You don't have to resolve it in that moment. Totally. You just start it and open it. And now we can converse about it because it's not so scary. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then something I found very interesting. And again, well, Drew, this is, you know, this is just not a judgment, just, you know, I just find it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a whole thing about, you know, as the relationship as he grows up is more person to person, even though it's father and son. And he talks about how his dad is his best friend. Right. And I sensed a little, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I sensed something about yeah. you mm -hmm. and I felt like there was a hesitation to comment on it and, but something, and it could have just been my projection, but I think when people say that to me, my mom's my best friend. I'm like, no, she's not. She's your mom. Right. Your best friend's your best friend. Right. And that's very obviously like black and white and <laughs> to the point. Um, uh -huh. However, and, um, <laughs> you know, I think that, I don't know. What are your thoughts on yeah, your dad I, I being think, your best friend? Yeah, you are. You're very astute. You did hear a hesitation from me. And that's like I told you that, that Arnold Schwarzenegger from Terminator ticker in my head of <laughs> these are the choices I can say. Yeah. And right. And saying no, he's not of is course. is going fuck you, asshole. <laughs> like, it, it just it wasn't right to say that no, at that moment. For sure. But the pause was, ooh, I heard that. Sometimes with the client, I'll say, Hold on, I want to put a pin in that. Yeah. You called your dad your best friend. We're gonna we're gonna circle back to that. But keep going. It seemed like there obviously there was so much around this right now. That right. was like the least right. 
Right. But you, I mean, and that's a testament to how we as therapists and you in particular hear things like you heard that moment. Right. Right. And that's a moment I'm not going to dive into there. It wasn't right to dive into, but you caught, oh, wait, I heard that too. And I heard him stall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, you know, do I have an opinion on a dad being a best friend? Uh, Sure. But my opinion's irrelevant. Totally. What I want to know is he's saying that and he said it more than once and he's, He's also intimating, I can go to this bachelor party if my dad goes. Right. If I have that comfort. And right. that's something that ties into the separation anxiety, the I'm not okay, you know, on my own and, yeah. and all of those issues, right? It's just interesting because it was almost like he was saying, and I think, I don't know if I feel like he thinks this is how it quote unquote should be, but mm. that they should be best friends as opposed to father son as he gets older. Right. Whereas I was thinking that isn't necessarily what might be the best thing. What I was thinking is, and I, this happened with me and my, my own dad was once there was no financial connection, we Mm. became while still father and daughter, we became people who I didn't need the relationship. I wanted it. Right. That's the, that's the choice versus obligation. We keep talking about totally. So I was kind of thinking like, I wonder if that, I feel like that will happen for him at some point, Hmm. whether you're always going to be father and son. I think you mentioned that, but, but I think for a lot of people to, to know that it doesn't have to be defined the relationship, it just is. Right. So, yeah. But I think again, there was sort of talking about the comfort and having choice. Yeah. And of course, whether they're best friends or father, son, having him be there is going to make him more comfortable. Sure. Understandable. Right. And that, that idea that without that, I can't go like you can, it's just going to be less comfortable. Right. And then you guys talked about the whole idea of causing anxiety by him preparing Right. And preparing for the worst. Right. By hoping for the best. Right. And then one of the things I love that you do is he says it keeps him safe. You're like, well, what does that mean? Right. What's safe? Well, and just keep digging and digging because he can throw out these words. But like, what does that mean? Right. What does it mean to him? What purpose is it serving? And I'm not trying to take it apart and say, don't do this yeah. by any stretch. Right. Just let's figure out what it really means. Right. right. Because, and when you do that, he's like, um, and, and for him, I watched the process and it helps him understand it better. Right. And I think this is something everyone can relate to, which is, you know, by preparing for the worst, they've already started to experience the worst in the moment. Right. And, you know, you used your Mark Twain Quote, Quote again. again. Yep. It's the, you, I've suffered a great many catastrophes, none of which have come true. And something you'll notice about me from listening to this, which you're either going to love or hate, or like you said, not give a shit about sure. is I use heavy repetition. I'll, I'll throw that Mark Twain quote in a bunch of times, Yeah. right? Because the more you do this, the more it's going to sink in, the more it's going to make sense from you, from your frame of reference. Because I'm, I'm looking at, don't just use my analogies, right. the ones that resonate. I mean- there are some, I don't think we've heard many with this guy. There are some analogies I'll throw out and they don't really land. Yeah. So I go, okay, let's move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. But if they do stick, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep repeating it. It's like you go to the gym, you don't just do curls once and then your biceps are, are buff and you're done. You know, you got to do curls. <laughs> right? Know, I've been doing those all the, yeah, no, it just doesn't work. Um, you, you keep working that muscle out, right? Well, let's move on to the analogies that do stick. Bring it on. 
Let's talk about Darth Vader. And Yoda. And Yoda. Yeah. How do you do Vader? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to just throw up on the mic. <laughs> Can you do it? Nice. Right? It's it's I think just about everybody knows Vader and Yoda, no matter which version of Star Wars you grew up with. Sure. It'll, it'll resonate. Dark side you know, and the force. I mean, it's all the force, which is what I was saying. And that, that voice, that critical voice, psychological term, we learn about that too. And, mm-hmm. and if I said the critical voice, I think I actually did, but if I just stuck to that, he's going to go, oh yeah, I'm critical. But as soon as we give it a a name and a face like Vader, right. you know what that is, you start recognizing it, you know, and it becomes something other than just you and it's you, Right. It's something, it's a part of you, but it's something you now might be able to recognize and separate and then eventually try to control a little bit too. And you did say, you mentioned that, you know, the Vader, Vader can motivate and drive us if we use it properly. Yeah. And, and that Vader and Yoda both use the voice. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I remember, oh man, the more recent Star Wars movies said, I mean, what they were telling us was that the... Part of why Vader wasn't all bad and why the, the fuck, I'm going to know some of this and sound like a nerd, but nerds out there and I love my nerds. Yeah. We'll go, oh, he totally fucked that up. Uh, the Sith, I think is what they're called. Sure. Are driven by emotion and the Jedi are void of emotion. Mm-hmm. So they can think more logically, more practically, more accurately. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, embellishing a little bit. Sure. And the Sith are driven by, you know, anger or love, you know, and these great emotions. So the idea of the Jedi controlling their emotions is a very logical thing. Right. And the Sith, like, acting on the emotions and embracing that. And, and, yeah, it's very powerful. Right. You know, I mean, it's why, you know, when when you have to go do an event, you know, an athletic event or something, you listen to music to pump you up, to get you going, to feel that. You want to fuel, trigger your emotion to yeah. fuel something and yeah. drive that. Yeah. So it, it can be a great motivator and it can be used very well. Right. It's when it's critical and telling you you're not doing enough, you're right. not good enough. Right. You know, that might drive us, but it's also telling us something that's just so detrimental. Right. So question, how do we get to, to Yoda? How do we become, I guess, I mean, we'll never be Yoda, but. No, we will never be Yoda, but we can become our own Jedi. And that requires some Jedi training, which I think is specific to each person. Because what your voice is going to sound like most authentically can only come from you. And I think an effective therapist is somebody that's going to help uncover that voice, discover that voice, recover that voice, all of the cover words for that voice. For sure. Right? Yeah. And, And really help you hear it. So that when you hear Vader, which you inevitably will, you can start to hear that Jedi voice right, also. Right. Not instead of, it's good and the bad and the plaid. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It, it's hearing it all at the same time. Yeah. Not that I condone hearing a lot of voices in your head, but. You know, <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. If they're there already, let's do something with it. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I think the whole part of the jealousy issue that you guys talked about mm, yep. is something everyone can relate to. Oh, yeah. Even if you guys don't admit it, you're lying. (laughs) Um, I know I can. Right. But yeah, jealousy definitely can be helpful at times if we do something constructive with it. And we can't avoid triggers, like you said. It is just really hard to navigate. And right. And if we recognize that and go, okay, I'm being jealous. 
wait, is this the tip of the iceberg or is this everything below the surface? Right, right, right. Am I, am I giving yeah. a disproportionate response to this person? Right. Because I'm feeling jealous and I'm bringing totally. all this, you know, that that's where the baggage comes from. All this yeah. baggage of jealousy to them. That's yeah. not fair to them. Yeah. Acknowledging right. that it's sort of our response. And you guys talked about that, which I thought was amazing. First of all, <laughs> him saying the, and then she's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. And, and I laughed. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, he kind of looked at that and was like, oh yeah. Right. So you talked about this thing that when, again, you put it into words, I thought it was amazing, which was that he was unable to notice that I'm cool. She's cool. We're cool. And right. instead he went through all of the anxiety and the uncertainty because he didn't know about the strippers and then he got triggered. Right. And the key was that you talked about was that it wasn't about her. It was about him. Yeah. And maybe even two keys there. Cause as you were saying it back to me just now, it like clicked in what we've been talking about that. Yes, you're right. It was about him, not her. And that's kind of my job. Let's separate that. Mm -hmm. And also recognizing like, Oh, here's the opportunity right here. Cause you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're feeling this, you're recognizing it, you're seeing it in action and let's name it. Let's name it right now. Right. Right. And integrate and bring both of those together. Right. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Then talking about, well, how can he have a conversation with his girlfriend, you know, talking about what that's like for him and then talking about the night terrors and that his girlfriend won't ever understand what he goes through. And of, of course not. How could she and how could he convey it without totally freaking her out? And then, you know, is that just about the night terrors trying to convey what goes on for him? And then I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, I was hearing almost more of the ability to convey anything, the ability to communicate with each other. Right. And there's something there where he's withholding and he's he's not doing something because it doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel comfortable. Right. Right. And, you know, he does it here with me because there's there's no judgment. He knows I'm not going to abandon him. He knows I'm not going to judge him. So he's able to do it here and practice that here. And that's that's what I'm talking about with integrating and doing it in real time is yeah. we can do it here so that you can try it out there. A hundred percent. Right. And he laughed about hearing it out loud the way he was saying it. Now I forgot exactly what it was. The conversation that he would have with her, the way he would say it versus when you rephrased it and said, well, what about just saying, hey, have you ever been anxious? Right. And right. how much more easy that was to hear and how much more that made sense. And he was like, oh yeah, right. that, that would be great. Anybody, I think, could understand the idea being it's not necessarily telling them the specific thing like, here's what happened when I played Pac-Man or here's what a night terror is. You need to understand a night terror. You need to understand Pac-Man in right. order to understand what I'm feeling and how that is for me. Right. No, you don't. I, I need to understand how you're feeling and exactly. how that is to Right, you. right. Right? Yep. So one of the cool things that we'll do in the next session coming up is we will actually look at one of his dreams because he has an, a night terror and he brings that in. Ooh. So we get to talk about one of his dreams. I don't necessarily do dream analysis, but right. we'll, we'll look at a dream sure. and what that means. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think we might actually take a little piece out of the next session in a segment we might be calling Insight Out. Inside Out. That sounds <laughs> um, fantastic. Well, it, it's giving you insight on something that doesn't necessarily stay in the podcast, but yeah. we want you guys to hear it where 
we kind of talk about his tattoos and, um, and we'll kind of have a conversation about what that, what that means to kind of carry something around Love a good outward tattoo. and what that, what that means inwardly. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So stick around. We'll talk about some tattoos. We'll talk about some night terrors. Go to our website, send us some emails, some questions. Yourmentalbreakdown.com. And, uh, see you. Nope. Hear you. You'll hear us next week. <laughs> we'll talk at you next week. <laughs> okay.